Yes, Lord, we are grateful for this moment. I just agree with Brian. May, may, may your sword do its work in us. We pray, God, um, in, in this moment that we are in together, that by your grace and mercy, you would draw us in to the word that you have today. We pray, God, in the same way that Isaiah got to stand and fall prostrate before you in your very presence and your glory and your holiness and your majesty. I pray, God, that you would provide a taste of that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way, Lord. We submit. Here I am. Send me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we pray this together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are in the final week of our Follow Jesus Together series, but hear this, we're not in our final day of following Jesus, right? <laughs> we're we're going to continue in this. But we've been looking at this call to follow Jesus together. Looking at, at all the different ways that we believe that in following Jesus, in Matthew 28, when Jesus told his disciples, those that follow him, to, to go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I will be with you until the end of the age. That this call, this imperative, not this suggestion is a call, an invitation to us, the church, to be a people who are growing in Jesus, who are listening to his voice in our life, who are, who are digging in and engaging with the scriptures and, and praying and, and, and devoting ourselves to one another and to consistent community, that we're growing in Jesus. And as we grow in Jesus, we go with him. We go with him on the mission of making disciples. And this call, I don't know about you, but in our small groups and as we've been asking these questions, it seems to be that when we get into the growing piece, the, the, the reading our Bibles, the praying, the spiritual disciplines, that, that comes, at least for me, very naturally. But when we start talking about like the going and, and start talking about who are you sharing your faith with? How are we going and, 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 and literally having conversations with our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones about Jesus? Perhaps the conversation in your small group struggles a little bit. Perhaps there's a little bit of angst in you, or maybe you're a bit of an introvert, or maybe you just have a hard time with truly having those conversations. And thinking about that and praying about this message, today we're talking about wrapping up this series 
We've been looking at these seven markers and, and really landing on what we've been talking about throughout the seven series, that as we read our Bibles, we read our Bibles with this expectation and that, that, that God is calling us to share that good news with our friends, that as we pray, we're not just praying for ourselves and our growth and our family, we're praying that the Lord would, would, would give us this, this spirit of loving one another and, and sharing the good, the good news. As we worship God, as we, say, as we say every Sunday, our worship is more than the songs we we sing. It's the life of sharing Jesus everywhere we go. Even the ways that we give and our joyful offerings that we offer up to God are ways that we share our faith. And there's this call into going. I was thinking about this and thinking about this moment this week, and uh, I've just felt so called to preach from Isaiah 6. I think it really helps us in capturing the wonder of the call to go. As I was thinking about this on Tuesday morning, uh, I, I, I had, I, I feel like a, 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 a moment with the Lord. And I don't have many of these moments where I think that he's talking to me in this way, but I felt like this week something kind of happened. I was, I'm getting ready for the day and I was thinking about this message and, um, this thought came into my head, I believe it was the Lord, and, and I just heard him say to me, um, it's time. This is the time for such a time as this. And I was reminded of um, Esther, and the story of Esther in the, in the Old Testament, this young Hebrew woman who, who is called into um, this, to, to be a queen and to be an advocate for her people. And she's feeling this tension, and she's feeling this call, and her, her uncle Mordecai is having this conversation with her in this story, and he's telling her that she needs to go talk to the king on behalf of the people. And she feels this angst, because if she goes into the throne room, she may die. You're not supposed to go into the throne room unless the king invites you in. And he says these words to her about it being the time, and, I, and, I, and then the Lord kind of just put that on my heart, and I, I opened up my Bible to see what the verse of the day was, and this is where I felt like it was affirming. I looked it up, and you know what the verse of the day was on Tuesday? It was Esther 4, 14, and it said this, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. In other words, God's telling Esther, I'm going to do my work. God's plans can't be stopped. I'm either going to use you, if you don't, I'm going to use somebody else and you're going to miss out in essence. But I'm going to move and I'm going to work because God is sovereign, God is in control and, he's, and for some reason he calls us for such a time as this. And Mordecai says, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And church, as I've been thinking about these last seven, eight weeks, as we've been looking at this call for us to be a people that are growing in Jesus and going in Jesus, I just feel like together we need to hear this. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to say, let's truly embrace what it means to be a people who are going, 
who are going everywhere we go, we're sharing Jesus. And, and, and not just because we have to, not just because Pastor Logan said or some book said or, or that's what we're supposed to do, because we're starting to get a glimpse of the wonder of the why. We're starting to feel this wonder in us of the gospel that I believe we can taste in Isaiah chapter 6. A wonder that I believe I felt just a few minutes ago when us together were singing in this room and probably our friends and family that aren't here but are watching online and said, oh, what a savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ has risen. Fall down before him for he is Lord of all. Sing Hallelujah, Christ has risen. It's time to go with that phrase. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah has this vision. It's an incredible vision. It seems to be, it it's, takes place, the book of Isaiah, in the, in, the, in the time of the kings. Things, if you remember last year, we worked through the book of Kings. Things are not going too good. There's, a, there's every once in a while a good king, but mostly a lot of really bad kings. And Isaiah is called, he has this vision by the Lord, and he has this moment in Isaiah chapter 6 where it says that he's transported into, into, into the throne room of God. This is, a, this is the very presence and the powerful just majesty of God. And it's overwhelming. And as you think about this wonder, as you think about our call to be a going people, we need to understand and not forget the starting point. And the starting point of our call is the same exact starting point of Isaiah's call that we, we have the same exact God that he is invited into, that we are invited into, and it starts here. It starts from what I would like to call a trembling woe. Turn to the person next to you and say, woe. Woe. Not woe like this is fun. Woe like this is a little scary. Woe like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Woe like starting to have this understanding that yes, as we follow Jesus, we follow a mighty, powerful God. And there is this majesty and this transcendence. And sometimes, especially in the age that we live in, we miss this really important piece to our faith. We think of Jesus more as like our homeboy, our friend. And, and there's a, an element to, we know that Jesus is a friend of sinners, but he's also the second person of the Trinity. And we have a relationship with God Almighty, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we are called into his presence, like Isaiah. In this passage in Isaiah chapter 6, I love the way that the New American Standard Version translates verse 4. A little bit of context here. Isaiah is into the throne room in verse 1. It says that he sees the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And I, I wish I had time to dig into all the Hebrew and the beautiful picture. But in essence, leading up to, chapter, to verse 3, you, we have this sense of just this overwhelming power of God. And the woe there, this trembling woe, is a feeling of I'm going 
to die. That's the feeling in the very presence of God. That's how powerful and mighty and wonderful he is. It says that the seraphim, the angelic beings, are declaring holy, holy, holy. This word for holy means to be set apart. This is Kadesh. It's, it means to be other. It's, it's, and they say it three times. It's like an exclamation point. They, they want us to feel and know this trembling woe. And it says the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smokes. The very presence of God, the the foundations trembled at the angels declaring this. And then I said, this is Isaiah, he says, woe is me for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. John Calvin says, men are never duly touched and impressed with conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. Until we start to really reflect on the incredible majesty of who God is, of, of what the, the, when we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that should bring about this trembling woe in us. Millard Erickson says, when one measures one's holiness, not against the standards of oneself or of other humans, but against God, the need for a complete change of moral and spiritual conditions becomes apparent. When we start to think about our call in faith to follow God and we start to measure who we are in in light of who God is and not in light of the people around us, all of a sudden we start to feel a little inadequate, a little unqualified, and a little like Isaiah, probably a lot like Isaiah, to say, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. And man, as I look around the world, I am surrounded by a lot of unclean people. Trembling woe. And and don't miss this. This is a huge, significant piece of the gospel. And we start from trembling woe, but then we go through an atoning work. We go through an atoning work. Look at what happens in verse 7. Isaiah is most likely on his face, prostrate, prostrate. He's kind of having this moment where he's thinking, all right, I'm about to die. And I deserve it. And it says this, verse 7. It says that one of the seraphim flew to me in verse 6, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This word atoned, I would circle or highlight says that this, this burning coal is taken from the altar. This word for atonement, if you know the Old Testament story, that, that the story of atonement is, is that God demands justice for our sin. And you have the Old Testament practices and ceremonies of having to, to kill a spotless lamb to pay for the sins, to atone for our sins. 
And as we think about our sins, as we think about the ways that we sin against God, the ways that we say, woe is me, I am a man, I'm a woman of unclean lips, there's this truth, I I read this today and it gave me pause. I I think it's true. A.W. Pink, a theologian, said this, he says, God has often forgiven sinners, but he never forgives sin. And the sinner is only forgiven on the ground of another having borne his punishment. You understand what he's saying here? God is a just God, we, and we love that we have a God that is just, and the gospel tells us that God forgives sinners, but he doesn't just ignore our sin, he has to deal with it. This is the gospel. This is the wonder of this. This is why in Romans 5, verse 5, when, as Paul is writing about this gospel, this good news, he says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, sinless, at the right time, time to go. At at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we go from trembling woe through atoning work into this wonder. I love reflecting on this. A.W. Tozer says, we must hide our unholiness in the wounds of Christ. As Moses hid himself in the cleft of the rock while the glory of God passed by, we must take, hear this, refuge from God, paradox, in God. We take refuge from God in God because of Christ. We are invited into the very presence of God. And when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ to all who believe. And so we go through this atoning work and hear this. This is where we land. This is the why for why we are a going people. We go, we, we, are, we are in this state of going wonder. Of going wonder. Of, of being like, I, I just can't believe that God has done this work, that, that in his grace and his mercy, he's looked at me and all of his glory, and instead of giving me the judgment that I deserve, he's sent his son to die on a cross, take my judgment in exchange for his righteousness, and out of that, we get this going wonder. Oh, what a savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ has risen. Fall down before him for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ has risen. And look at what Isaiah does. Says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, I just picture, 
Isaiah in all the wonder and just the, this, this incredible work that has happened to him. His shaking, trembling hand says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And I believe that this is the same call that God is calling each of us into through his gospel. And when Jesus said, all authority in heaven has been given me, he's talking about the very authority that we see in the throne room here that Christ was in. And when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he's calling his people to go and to be obedient and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And it's not about your giftings. It's not about your abilities. It's about the very presence and power of God working in a bunch of misfits. Tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, right after it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, the gospel, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know where this written is from? The book of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah saying this. Beloved, the question that I hope we're asking in this moment is how will you follow? How will you follow? Our elders have been asking this question over the last year. Maybe six, nine months ago, I don't remember when, one of our elders, uh, Greg Hooker, brought in a, a video from this guy named Mark Batterson. He wrote a, a book called The Circle Maker. And in this, in this video, we just felt so challenged. He, he made this statement that we've been praying about and challenged by and just kind of squirming a little bit about. And he said this, he says, do you have resources beyond your vision? or vision beyond your resources. As we think about the things that God calls us to, is he calling us to run after things where we actually need him, to, his help? Where he's calling us into places, into conversations, into relationships, into work that we in all of our you know, abilities feel like this is a lot. And the gospel calls us into being people that are dependent upon the powerful, transcendent work of God. And it's for all the people. It's not just, well, let's just really hope that Pastor Logan and Pastor Doug and, and the elders, let's really hope that they get this right and they set it all up and, 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 and we'll do a good job. No, we believe in, in, in our theology and doctrine and what we would call the priesthood of all believers. That all who have come to faith in Jesus are called to be priests. That we don't need a priest anymore. That, that Jesus is our high priest and he calls us to, to his work in the places that we are. And so I wanted to share with you as we're thinking about this call and you're asking this question, how will I go? I wanted to share some of the vision that we, we believe God is calling us to, our vision for this year. 
our vision for, for, for going forward. In light of this last seven weeks and the things that we've been praying about, I wanted to share some of the stuff that's happening here at Cornerstone. And first, we will grow as a church to an average attendance of 1,000 wholehearted worshipers. 500 in person and 500 online. Now, right away, you may be like me and you're squirming because it's like, how we, we don't set goals. God's the one that does this. Amen. But I, I, I do believe that the Lord puts things in front of us for us to run after. And only in his power and his work does he provide this. But he does call us to set goals and to run the race he's called us into. We have a slide here I'd like to throw up here. We've been thinking about this vision. Right now we're probably at about 400 or so on a Sunday morning and another 250 or so of online attenders. We're doing pretty awesome with our greeters. Good job, greeters. We're doing pretty great in our guest services, but we got some work to do. We, have, um, we, need, we need some help with our ushering and our hospitality teams and our nursery our incredible nursery, our, you could see our children's church and group could use some, some helpers, our, our youth small group could use some helpers, our, our worship team, our production team, there's all of these opportunities. And, and the reason why I put this up here is I want you to know like the things that we measure and value are important. And I, I believe that if, as, as we start to think about, God, how have you called me into the church to be a part of this? The, the, the more that we have people using their gifts, the more that we have people stepping into different spaces, the more that we're going to continue to see God using his people for his good. And I believe we're called to, be, to have this spirit of invitation, the spirit of, of diligence and working together. And so we want to be a people that are running after this call. That when we, say, we, when we say, hey, here's some invitations to church, we're thinking, man, I want to invite my friends and my neighbors and, and I want to have these conversations. And, and, and we, we want to be a people that are, that are running together after this, that are going together. Second, our vision is that it will grow to an average of 200 participants in our Bible reading plans. We have our Bible reading plans. You can see uh, that we, right now, there's about 27 or so people that have named Cornerstone as their church in the Bible app, on the Bible app. We got about 50 people regularly engaging in our Bible app and interacting together. Uh, another 50 or so people we think using our book, bookmarks and plans and we're hoping that we would continue to raise that up because we believe that as we're called to be going, we better be reading our Bibles together and growing together, right? It's all connected. And so if we can be a people that are really taking this call seriously and God says, here I am, it's not just about going, we need to make sure that we're in his word together and engaging together. And I just invite you to consider, if you're not already, getting on our Bible plans and, and engaging and, and, and developing this, this practice and discipline. You're going to see a lot of the word 100. It's been said that um, studies of movements... Studies of, what do, we, what do we sing today? A city of grace? Is this idea of, uh, uh, of seeing the, the kingdom of God just, just invading our city, which is growing. It's 18,000 growing even more by the day as these houses are being built around us. Uh, it's been said that movements happen 
when 15 to 20% of people buy in. When 15 to 15, when 15 to 20 percent of a gathered people start to say, "I'm in, I'm on this mission together. I know where we're running," and that's about a hundred of our people here. And so, if we start to get this vision, we believe that this is really going to help us continue to spur our, spur each other on by the grace of God. Second, we will grow to 100 active participants in our prayer ministry. Friends, remember, prayer is paradise. And we want to be covering all that we do in prayer. And we got some work to do in prayer. We got some work to do in stepping in. We want to we have 25 people before our services praying. We want to have people right now in our services, as services are happening, praying. We want to have people praying after service with people as they feel the Lord calling. We want to have people praying on Wednesday nights. And we need you. If you have this gifting, if you have this desire to be praying, please join this ministry. Talk to Pastor Doug. Sign up for this. This is huge. Third, our vision this year is that we will recruit, train, and empower our church family to humble service to the point of full capacity on every team. The challenges at all, at all churches, I have found, is always getting people involved in volunteering in the different ministries. It's been said 20% of people do 100% of the work. And I'm not sure that, 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 I think we're doing a little better here, but you can see in our children's ministry on, you know, uh, we, we could use much more helpers in our children's ministry on Sunday mornings, in our middle school ministry on, I'm sorry, on Wednesday nights, we could use m much more helpers than that. In our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Wednesday nights, in our kitchen ministry that is create, uh, helping with all the food, you can see these opportunities for service. In our high school ministry, in our counseling center, we got seven incredible female counselors, but, but we could really grow with some of our male counselors. We need some, some men that are gonna be there to, to, to be counseling. And you talk to Pastor Doug, if you feel this call, he'll get you light, he'll get you, um, What's the word? Certified to help out with that and train. Uh, our garden ministry, we're doing a, a, a sunrise service in the garden that we're so excited about. And, and we believe that God is calling us to be a community that feeds our community. And we need people to help in the garden, not just people that are good like at picking weeds and, and planting things, but people that can build. And we, we want to create a beautiful space that blesses our community. And, and, and maybe you, you have that gifting and you would love to do that. Our missions board, talking about missions. There's all of these ideas, this call in to mission. To be a people that are going together. Hear this, on humble service, we're called into this. This is part of the markers of what it means to be a people together. Now what about the generosity? You know, this is one of the, I think, really strengths of our church is that we have set a people that live the practice of joyful offerings. But we were talking as an elder group and feeling like, you know, we feel like we can never do more. We can always do more. And how do we model as a church this, this idea that everything that is ours is actually God's and we want to give it to him. And so our elders made this call that we, we would like to give 100% of the offerings at our holiday service to, the, to a mission outside of our ministry. In other words, when we have Easter Sunday, Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving service, all the offerings that are taken are not going to go to Cornerstone. 
you're gonna go to a mission that we're super excited about called Anna's Circle, at least the Easter offering. This, 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 this movement that's actually happening about ladies in our, in, 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 our, in our city, but also all over the world that are all about sharing their faith. And we're excited about it. I went there on Thursday and these same kind of conversations, it seems like God is saying the time is now. So let's give to these movements. Let's practice this joyful offering. Let's believe that God is in this space calling us to give. Third, as we think about consistent community, how can we be in consistent community? We will see 75 mentoring relationships formed and six new community groups launched with one in Madeira and another in Merced. We recognize that not only are we called to be in worship together, we're called to know each other and to be in relationships, to be known that consistent community is a really important piece of our growing in our going in Jesus. So as we think about this, how do we do this? Well, we want our warrior project to take another step for more men to be in mentoring relationships. We wanna open this up to, to women getting involved in mentoring one-on-one -on -one relationships, to our high school's kids having relationships, to our, our small groups going, growing, to also believing that God's calling us not just to Chowchilla, but to Merced and Madeira and praying about having groups in those spaces because we are people that are going. And I share all of these with you because I, I believe that as we think about these goals, that all of them are through the lens of believing that God has called us to see people come to faith in him. And one of the things that I wanted to share with you, the, the ultimate idea as we think about being a growing and a going church is that we would love to see over 100 professions of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And right now I think we've had five, which is amazing, at our last family service. But what if the Lord is calling us to a time just like this, to be a people that are going? To be people that say, like, like, what if the Lord is calling me, that, that one person that God's put on my heart that I've been working with, that one person that, that he's put on my heart to, to invite to this small group or, or to come alongside me in this work that I'm doing or, or to invite them to the Easter service or whatever it may be. Like, 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 like what if God is calling us to have a vision that is much bigger than what we think we could do. I, I look at that number and I think, Logan, you're, you're kind of crazy. I don't even know if I want to share that stuff with you because I, I believe that God's the one that does the work, not us. We don't orchestrate or manipulate, but, but we do run after things, amen? And I believe he's calling us to be doing this. And as you've been thinking about this, I, my question is, how will you be going with us? How will you be going with us. How is God calling you to be going? Perhaps it's you've seen something of an opportunity. You've seen, oh man, I, I sure love children. And man, I, I, could, I could join in that ministry of, of loving and caring for our children on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. 
Perhaps God's put on your heart, man, I would love to mentor a young man or a young woman, or I, I could really use a mentor. Man, that garden, I would love to get in there and be a part of that movement. Perhaps maybe it's not even about some of the stuff we're doing. You're just thinking, man, as I coach these kids, as I teach these kids, as I interact with these people in my work, I, I want to be a part of, of praying for them and the believing that God has placed me in this place to share Jesus with them. And my hope is, is that because of the wonder of the gospel, you would feel in this moment the desire to raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord, send me. That you would feel a little bit of angst of I don't know how, I feel unqualified, but I feel the spirit of God telling me that I need to take a step that I, I, I need to, to not just be about growing. What Jen on Thursday, she said uh, that, that she spent a lot of time feeling like a fat Christian. <laughs> In other words, all of this time consuming and eating, but never actually exercising her faith where, you know, the growing is great, and, but when you're going and you're exercising and you're putting all of that information, the, the wonder of the gospel to work, and you start to see Jesus changing lives, it starts to feel different. Faith starts to become more than like a religious practice. It starts to, be, to feel like a reality. Our strength is, our faith is strengthened when we see the Lord moving and working, and that's not gonna happen just through some really great sermons. It's not gonna happen through some really great worship sets. It's gonna happen through God's people being a going people. Through God's people believing that when, he's, when we say as we walk out, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we believe that King Jesus, who has atoned for our sins, has saved us. And he's called us to walk out and to be a people of light that push back darkness. And then invite others. And there's an urgency about it because it feels at times like we may be in the end. And there's an urgency for us to believe that Jesus is calling us and we look at our friends and we look at our family and we look at our neighbors and we start to feel this wonder inside us. And we start to say, okay, Lord, here I am, send me. I don't know how I'm gonna talk to my friend, but I'm gonna step into the room and I'm gonna believe that by your spirit, he will do a work. So I wanted to spend some time on this day as we finish up this series and we look towards Easter, a great time to invite friends and family and to worship as we think about the things that God is calling us into. I wanna spend some time together of as a beloved community online and here in this moment of just being able to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So I asked Amador and Heidi to sing the song that's based on this, these words. And as this song is sung, on your notes, I'd, I'd invite you to feel like just writing that down. Here I am, Lord, send me. And in your bulletin, you might have had a little card. You should have a little card, and it just has all the options. And per perhaps 
the Lord has stirred up something in you. Maybe one of the options that we talked about, you feel like, man, I'd love to be on the prayer team. Man, I'd love to be on the, the um, counseling center. I'd love, oh man, I can't wait to get in that garden. Man, I want to help with youth or children. Or maybe it's something else and you just want to write it down. I, I just, I really want to be light that shines in the locker room. I really want to be a light that shines at the dairy, at the, at the farm, in, the, in my classroom. And you just need to write that down and to ask the Lord to come alongside. I'd like you to write that down. And as this song is sung, to have the courage to come down and push, put that card in this box. To say, here I am. I'm going to mark this moment. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to put my name down. I'm going to believe that God is going to call me to something. And then together to be reminded of the wonder of the gospel. Amen. So if you could spend some time thinking about this. And if the Lord leads you, come down. If you want to pray, Pastor Doug will be over here. I'll be over here. If you want someone to lay hands on you and pray a prayer of commission over you, you're more than welcome to. But for us to believe that we're, that the time is now. For such a time as this, let's be a people that say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, thank you. I pray, God, that, that, that this beautiful wonder of going from this trembling woe through your atoning work to wonder. I pray, God, that the wonder of your gospel, the wonder of the way that you have redeemed, have, have called, have cl cleansed us, God, and, and even in, with, with the struggles that, many, that we all have in some ways, God, in spite of those, God, you call us to work. And I pray, God, as we reflect on this, that, that, that we would have an awareness to your calling in us. And that you, by your spirit, would lead us on mission to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, open up the eyes of our hearts to the ways that you're calling us. We want to follow you. Help us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.